Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to tell you about Violet Jessup, a woman who survived the sinking of the Titanic, as well as the sinking of another ship, the HMHS Britannic, and she was also on board when the RMS Olympic was involved with a collision with a warship. She made it through all three incidents, largely unscathed, well, a little bit of scathing. She was scathed a little bit by one of them, as we'll talk about, but uh, she lived to tell the tale, or tales, really, and uh, we're going to hear these tales right now. Quite a number of listeners actually got in touch to suggest that I get across the story of Violet Jessup, uh, Mitch Heapy, Enrique Redondo Ruiz, Gabe Cohen. So thanks to all of you. Terrific suggestion. Thanks to all those alert listeners writing in. Anyway, Violet Jessup, she was born in 1887 near the city of Bahia Blanca in Argentina as the daughter of an Irish couple who had emigrated there. And uh, proving that she was going to be someone who would be very difficult to kill, she actually survived a bout of tuberculosis as a young kid. Jessup was as tough as nails. She wasn't going to go down easily, as we'll see. But unfortunately, her dad wasn't quite as hardy, and he died when she was just 16, very sadly. And this meant that Jessup and her family moved to England, where she attended a convent school and then followed in her mother's footsteps in becoming a stewardess on ocean liners. She began work as a stewardess in 1908. She wasn't too keen on the idea of putting to sea, but the family needed money and she was able to work, and so she she boarded the RMS Orinoco, which sailed between England and the Caribbean, and during her time on the ship, basically nothing noteworthy happened at all. I couldn't find any stories uh, from Jessup's time on the Orinoco, which is, I guess, what you want when you work on a ship. Generally, people aren't looking for, you know, great, big, exciting events to take place during their life at sea. Generally, just you want things to be quite literally smooth sailing. But then in 1911, it was anything but smooth sailing as Jessup moved into a period of her career that was fraught with a lot of very exciting things happening. But in this case, exciting doesn't necessarily mean desirable. She moved from the Orinoco to a different ocean line, the White Star Line's RMS Olympic, which we talked about in episode 261. Get across it. A brand new class of transatlantic ocean liner. The final word in luxury and opulence, the biggest passenger ship on the sea when it was launched. And working for the White Star Line was bloody hard yakka, let me tell you. Jessup was on 17-hour days as a stewardess. She earned just £2.10 shillings a month, not even £200 a month in today's terms, an absolute pittance. Anyway, off she goes back and forth across the Atlantic on the RMS Olympic. And on the Olympic's fifth voyage in September 1911, 
Uh, she was on board when the ship ran into a little bit of trouble. It was sailing through the Solent, the strait between the English mainland and the Isle of Wight down the south coast. And it was sailing along uh, alongside a warship, the HMS Hawk. Uh, and when the Olympic turned to starboard unexpectedly, the Hawk rammed into it before its captain could avoid the collision. Now, interestingly, the Hawk had actually been built to ram other ships, other warships, ideally. Um, and it did a reasonable job of ramming the Olympic. It put two holes in the Olympic and, to- and caused two of its watertight compartments to flood. But in the naval equivalent of you should see the other guy, the Hawk was absolutely obliterated by this collision. You can go online. You can see pictures of what was left of the bow of the Hawk. Looks like a bloody Jackson Pollock painting, mate. Let me tell you. Anyway, despite the colossal damage that was uh, that was done to both ships, well, I say both ships, mainly the Hawk. The Hawk was, was in a pretty bloody bad way after this collision. But both of them, all the same, managed to make it back to port safely, and not a single life was lost. No one was killed. No one was even badly injured, happily. So it certainly wasn't as bad as it could have been, and uh, it's really not unreasonable to think that this could have been the biggest mishap of young Jessup's career on the sea. Quite an exciting tale for her to tell. Bit of drama, happily. No serious injuries or anything. Anyway, the Olympic made it back to port, as I say. It was repaired, and it was put back out to sea, and Jessup kept working aboard it. That is, until she transferred to a different White Star Line ocean liner, a different Olympic-class vessel, the RMS Titanic, the Olympic sister ship. When it was ready to put to sea in 1912, Jessup transferred over to it and, sure enough, set sail. The Titanic, as we mentioned in episode 261, bigger, grander, even more famous than the Olympic. Um, There was, of course, a huge fanfare about its maiden voyage. But interestingly, Jessup wasn't actually all that keen on working on the Titanic. She'd been quite happy, happy on the Olympic, but her friends convinced her that working on the Titanic would be, according to her memoirs, this is what they said, they said it would be a, quote, wonderful experience. Well, it certainly was an experience, all right. Don't quite know if you'd describe it as wonderful, however. Anyway, on the 10th of April, 1912, at the age of 24, Jessup boarded the Titanic to work as a stewardess for its maiden voyage. And we all know how that went, don't we? Four days later, the Titanic hit an iceberg and began to sink. At the time, Jessup was snoozing in her bunk, not quite asleep, but on the way. Uh, when the collision took place, and she, as a member of the crew, she was called up on deck with other crew members, and she helped to load passengers onto lifeboats, which apparently involved a lot of miming and demonstrating what to do for the passengers who couldn't speak English. Anyway, after she'd spent a while assisting passengers, Jessup herself was ordered into into one of the lifeboats so she could evacuate the ship before it went down. But then, as she boarded the lifeboat, right, one of the other crew members on, on the deck of the Titanic dropped something into her lap to take with her, and you will never guess what it was. It was, are you ready for this? It was a baby, a live human baby. And so now, with this infant who seemed to have just been left behind on the deck of the Titanic, right, before Jessup took it with her, Jessup was there on the lifeboat to witness firsthand the Titanic continue to tilt into the water as its compartments flooded. And then, just after two o'clock in the morning, from the safety of her lifeboat, 
She watched the ship's lights go out moments before it plunged under the water and sank. She's still holding the baby, by the way. She's still got this little infant with her. She's got no idea whose it is or, or where it came from. But there she is, freezing cold Atlantic, right? Middle of, middle of this huge field of icebergs until, at long last, another ship arrived. Thank goodness. To rescue the survivors, the RMS Carpathia. Again, episode 261 for all the details. Jessup was taken onto the deck of the Carpathia safely, along with everyone else in the lifeboats. And then, out of nowhere, right, while she's standing on, on the deck of this rescue ship, a woman came up to her. Floods of tears, snatched the baby off her, and off she went. Not even a thank you. Jessup never found out the story behind the baby, whether the mum had just put it down or lost it in the confusion or what. But she didn't seem very grateful or relieved to have her child back. Anyway, Jessup arrived in New York with, uh, with all the other survivors and before long returned back to England. And you might think that that would have been enough of life at sea for her. One collision, one sinking. Surely she's going to get the hint. Poseidon just is not a very big fan of her, it seems. But no, Poseidon be damned, she says. It wasn't long before Jessup was back on the water. This time as a stewardess and nurse in the employ of the British Red Cross with the outbreak of the First World War. Jessup served aboard the HMHS Britannic, HMHS being His Majesty's hospital ship, which was also a sister ship to the Olympic and the Titanic. It had been repurposed as a hospital ship just for the war. In late December 1915, the Britannic, with Jessup as one of its crew, entered active service and sailed to the Aegean Sea to transport wounded soldiers from the Mediterranean back to Britain. The Britannic completed many successful voyages between Britain and the, and the Mediterranean and even served as a full-time floating hospital at various points. And Jessup was there helping to nurse wounded soldiers. So good enough for doing that. But Poseidon's wrath could not be stayed. And on the morning of the 21st of November 1916, after almost a year at sea, the Britannic hit a German sea mine, causing a huge amount of damage. The ship began to take on water, and poor old Jessup is having the worst deja vu you can possibly imagine, although at least this time it's in the Mediterranean and not in the freezing cold northern Atlantic. Anyway, the Britannic went down like a ton of bricks. An hour later, right after hitting this mine, it had already sunk. But Jessup's escape from this ship was a lot more dramatic than her escape had been on the Titanic. She was loaded into a lifeboat without a baby this time, uh, but she was put in immediate peril when the lifeboat was lowered into the water because the Britannic's propellers, as the ship sank, were still spinning. They were sucking the lifeboats towards them and shredding them and anyone unlucky enough to still be in them. So Jessup and everyone else aboard this lifeboat, they realise they're about to be made in a mincemeat. They leap from the lifeboat. All those aboard, they leap and start to try to swim for their lives. But Jessup was sucked under the ship by the pull of the propellers, all the same, although thankfully not actually into the propellers themselves. But when her life belt began to pull her back towards the, the surface of the water, she actually copped quite a bad head injury when she bonked her head on the ship's keel, the bit right at the bottom of the hull. She emerged to the water's surface alive, but... With a great big gash in her head, she was lucky enough to uh, be able to grab a hold of another life belt that was floating about to keep her safe. Because believe it or not, even after a life at sea, Jessup couldn't swim. She was rescued from the disaster, thankfully, as were almost all the others aboard the Britannic. Of the thousand or so people aboard, only 30 of them perished. So it, it, it was not as bad as it could have been. 
But the most amazing thing about this part of the story, right, is the fact that Jessup was not the only survivor of the Britannic who had also been aboard the Titanic. Two others, Arthur John Priest and Archie Jewell, survived both these sinkings as well as her. Some people just refused to go quietly to Davy Jones' locker. Now, you might think after one collision and two sinkings that Jessup would have finally taken the hint by now. But no, once again, before long, she was back aboard a ship as a stewardess working for the White Star Line, then the Red Star Line, and then later the Royal Mail Line. And I'm pleased to say that Poseidon obviously decided that he had met his match in Violet Jessup because none of the ships she sailed on after the Britannic ever had any major issues, let alone a sinking. Jessup kept working on ships until 1950, when at the age of 63, she finally retired to a little village called Great Ashfield in Suffolk, northeast of London, and spent her remaining days raising chickens and working on a garden. And it was there, finally, that in 1971, at the ripe old age of 83, Violet Jessup passed away, safe, in the end, from Poseidon's watery clutches. 